Brilliant Earth, create your own one-of-a-kind engagement ring with Brilliant Earth, the global leader in ethically sourced fine jewelry. Brilliant Earth's exclusive unique designs are brought to life by master jewelers, and they offer free shipping and returns on all orders. For a limited time, you can earn toward a future purchase when you buy now. Order today for delivery by Valentine's Day and receive complimentary diamond earrings with any engagement ring purchase. To see terms for this special offer and receive Brilliant Earth credit with your purchase, go to brilliantearth.com slash ringernba. And now, key check. Welcome to Heat Check. I'm your host, John Gonzalez. My producer, Steve Allman, is here. Uh, Been a tough week for a lot of people. Normally, we have a lot of fun on the show. We like to joke and laugh and play dumb games. This show is going to be a little bit different for obvious reasons. We're going to talk about basketball off the top because this is an NBA show. And I think some people understandably want a distraction right now. But then later on, we're going to talk about Kobe Bryant because how could we not? Uh, I've sort of been around him in my personal and professional life since we were both teenagers. He grew up not far from where I grew up. Our high schools played against each other. I've got some Kobe stories that I want to share. And I think everybody's sort of processing these things. Uh, The Lakers are also holding their first media availability since the accident later today. I'm going to go to that and write about it. Uh, By the time you listen to this, they might have already spoken. uh, But we'll discuss later if you want to stick around with us and uh, get into that conversation. I want to thank all of you for listening. Uh, we do that every week, but but truly, uh, we're appreciative of it, and I want you guys to know that. Uh, a reminder to please rate and review us, and don't forget about all the great NBA content on TheRinger.com. Uh, specifically with Kobe, Paolo has just been all over this, has written a couple of really good stories on Kobe, including what he means to L.A. Kevin Clark's down in the Super Bowl, and all the NFL guys are doing just a, an excellent job on the NFL side. Danny and... Uh, Danny Kelly and Danny Heifetz and and Mays and Clark wrote about the reaction to Kobe in Miami at the Super Bowl. So check that out. And uh, Dan Devine, who will be along in just a second, has his full NBA starters and reserves piece up in case you want a little bit of basketball in your life. So check that out. Uh, Coming up later in the show, as I mentioned, we'll discuss Kobe. But first, uh, it's time to talk a little bit of basketball. So we're going to do that and we're going to bring in Dan and Haley. All right, Dan is here, Haley is here, Steve is here. We're going to return to the usual format next week, but we're just going to get right into it. We're going to talk some basketball, and then we're going to move along to Kobe. Uh, all right, the Bucks they won again. They beat the Wizards their first game back after Paris. Mark Lazary uh, and Michael Jordan had a conversation, owner Mark Lazary, and, and Mark Lazary said, hey, do you, know, you know, do you think we can do what you guys did, meaning like win 70 games or more. And Michael Jordan told him, don't worry about that. Just focus on winning a championship. And I'm paraphrasing here. Lazary was like, uh, no, I think we should do everything uh, to try. So <laughs> Haley, my, my question for you is, should they try to do everything they can to win 70 games, uh, despite Michael Jordan saying, don't do that? First of all, do we think that Lazary is going to be in the Michael Jordan doc? What did that be? That would be fantastic. Put him in there. Uh, this is obviously a callback to the 2015-16 season for the Warriors because everyone points to, I mean, in addition to Tristan Thompson and a great Kyrie shot and a pin down block, that's always what people point to as the reason that they lost. That they were too worn out from winning 73 games. They should have focused more on the championship, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's a great accomplishment as long as you're not wearing yourself out too much. The thing about the Bucks this season is that they have been 
uniquely dominant while not necessarily be like exhausting themselves. I think, Dan, you have some stats on that, don't you? I always have some stats on that, <laughs> Haley. Um, uh, also, just real quick, I love that you, when you're like, and what happened in 2016, the first name that you went to was Tristan Thompson. Well, I, was, I mean, he me deserves so credit because he'll never get credit again for anything in his life. That's exactly right. I just love that. Um, yeah, no, the nobody on the Bucks roster is averaging more than 31 minutes a game right now. Um, the Bucks have the same net rating with Giannis off the floor as the Raptors do overall. They're plus six per 100 possessions. Um, if you're not running anybody into the ground and you're still running everybody off the floor, why not go for everything? Um, it's one thing if you're sacrificing the, the the bigger picture by playing guys big minutes on you know the second night of a back-to-back or whatever, but if you're not, try to win every game you're in, right? Like that's the whole, the idea that you can win, you can do everything is a really powerful one at this point where we, we think, think about the future and think about only rings and only everything else. But if you can be a legendary regular season team and a champion, then that puts you in rarefied air that very few teams have ever reached. Yeah, I, I think that to Haley's point about the Warriors and people saying, oh, you know, it took too much out of them. I think that's like sort of uh, convenient revisionist history considering that it omits that Draymond lost to shit uh, when they were up 3-1 and then all of a sudden that opened the door for LeBron and then they won their championship. I mean, like if if Draymond just like keeps his cool in that situation and doesn't get uh, the tee that led to the suspension, then who knows? I mean, maybe they clean it up. Um, but also like... What does winning 70 games like really mean, right? Is it is, is winning 70 that much more impressive than winning like 68 or 69, honestly? I mean, like, look, the thing is, is that maybe the Bucks again, won't go as far as they should in the playoffs. And this is their consolation. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's thinking that, but this is an accomplishment that is definitely within reach. The playoffs are far less certain. Yeah. And I, but I, like, I, I think, you know, if you can't pull it off, awesome. Good for you. Uh, if you can't, uh, you know, I'm with Jordan. Like the big thing is the playoffs. What happens? I'm with in the Jordan. Playoffs. He says. I'm exactly. always with Jordan. Whatever Jordan, you know, he's a smart <laughs> basketball man. Uh, all right, 50 point performances. We had two this week. Uh, speaking of the Milwaukee Bucks, Chris Middleton had 51 versus the Wiz. It was a career high. They had an easy win without Giannis in. He had uh, he was sitting out with some right shoulder soreness, and then the night before that. Uh, the Houston Rockets, who had been sort of uh, scuffling along a little bit, got 50 points from Eric Gordon in a win over the Jazz. That was also a career high. Houston is four and six over their last 10. The Bucks are cruising along. My question for the two of you, Haley, you go first again. Uh, which one was bigger here? I think that we should also mention that in the um, Wizards-Bucks game, Bradley Beal had 47, too. He and was right there. Again, uh, is that that much uh, less impressive <laughs> than the 50 less. points? I don't know. That would have been the first time that two guys dropped 50 against each other since uh, 2000. I'm going to definitely say Eric Gordon was is more important. His is more important, the 50-point performance, because what he has to be for the Rockets to— um, realize their potential. He still needs to be a lot more solid. Whereas with Chris Middleton, like Dan was just saying, when Giannis is off the court, the Bucks are able to hold it together. Yeah. Uh, Dan, where are you on this one? Like who's more, who's needed more for their team moving forward? Because you do have Giannis, but as we saw last year, Giannis needed more from his supporting cast than he got, especially uh, in the Eastern Conference final. And then on the flip side, you've got Houston that's been sort of like up and down all season. And Eric Gordon had a rough start to his year and it looks like he's coming on more now. So maybe that gets them going. I'm, I'm sort of torn here. You know, I think that in the moment right now, Eric Gordon's performance was more needed for his team. You mentioned that Houston's been scuffling recently. And going into that game against uh, Utah, 
they were, uh, I think they were only two games clear of OKC for seventh in the West. And Houston going into that game against Utah was missing James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Clint Capella. Like, no one would have blinked if uh, Houston got ran, run off the floor in that game. Now, they, that didn't happen. And now Gordon is rediscovering himself at exactly the right time. Over the last month, he's up to 20 points a game on 40% three-point shooting since his uh, knee surgery. You have to have another creator off the bench, another guy who can stretch the floor and step up into sort of put the cape on on a, on a given night if either one of those guys is not unavailable or uh, struggling as Harden was for a while, as Westbrook was earlier in the season. A healthy Gordon who can hit, you know, stretch the defense and create off the dribble completely changes the dynamic of what Houston can do. So I think getting him him right and, rem- and sort of reminding everyone how good he is um, is maybe more important for Houston than getting a big Middleton game at, at this stage of the, of the season. All right, so we got a big return on Tuesday night as well. Victor Oladipo is back. He makes his season debut against the Bulls. He was out for 12 months. Uh, last year, he suffered a ruptured quad uh, last January against Toronto. So this is a much-anticipated thing. This is something that the Pacers have definitely been looking forward to. Pacers fans have definitely been looking forward to. Um, Dan, how do we think this is going to change rotations for the Pacers, and and what will this team look like now moving forward? It's a really great question. It's something that uh, our colleague Rob Mahoney to sort of touched on. He just he was in Indiana, did a sort of a big feature on the Pacers that just went up today on TheRinger.com. And one of the things that he mentioned was there's been some discussion within the Pacers, uh, you know, coaching staff in front office about whether Jeremy Lamb or TJ Warren would go to the bench to make room for Oladipo. Um, and then what that means for the way the backcourt minutes get juggled. Uh, my guess is that Jeremy Lamb goes to the bench because TJ Warren's been fantastic scoring uh, in that for that uh, starting five has really come up as a defender. And Jeremy Lamb has more experience coming off the bench. I think that the balance might fit better there. And my guess, unfortunately, for so I struggle to say this on this podcast, Gons, this might be TJ McConnell getting kind of aced out of the rotation a little <laughs> Hate bit. Hate it. Um, he, and he's been great for them, but Aaron Holiday uh, provides a little more shooting and has been dynamite on that second unit with his brother Justin and the way they defend. So I wonder if TJ kind of gets squeezed here. And, and what I expect overall is it's going to take time, like um, a year off from basketball. Victor, Victor Oladipo is not immediately going to be the guy we remember. So it's going to take some time, but they've given themselves enough with their first half performance to that they're still, they're so in the mix in that uh, top of the West, of the Eastern Conference that um, you know they have the runway here to, to figure it all yeah, out. Yeah, to that point, Haley, uh, the Pacers are fifth in the East, but they're just three games back of second. What's the ceiling for them? Can they make a run in the East? Because as Dan said, I think it will. I suspect that it will. Who knows? But I suspect that it will take some time for him to knock that rust off. But they're there. They're positioned, and like it's hard to get rid of the Pacers. Yeah, and I think that when we think about Oladipo coming back, that you know him in the starting lineup is where we think, oh, now they're going to really jump. But I, it, you know, it's basically saying the same thing. But their bench becoming that much better by moving these people who have sustained this level of success to the bench. Now they have that backup. All of a sudden, they're really deep. They they have been deep these last couple of seasons, right? Because if you look at this, the individual players and you think they've got some nice pieces, but a lot of it feels like uh, this collaboration of journeymen, save Oladipo, and you know maybe you, you throw Sabonis and, and Brogdon and elevate them up a little bit. But I think Turner hasn't quite been exactly um, the, the big force that we thought maybe he could develop into. And yet, um, they've been greater than the sum of their parts. 
right? Especially in the playoffs. So where you think like, or, or last year, even after they lost Oladipo, I thought, well, that's going to be it for them. They're going to completely crater. And their record after losing him obviously wasn't nearly as good. I just thought that they did a really good job of staying in the mix in the Eastern Conference and being plucky and being a difficult out. So getting him back is going to be a big boon for them. Uh, all right, a couple more things that I wanted to talk about basketball with you guys about before we wrap it up and move it on 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 to Kobe. The rookies, the two main rookies, Zion, mm. uh, the Pelicans beat the Cavs. Drew Holiday had a great game, 28 and eight. Uh, and then Zion did his Zion thing, 14 points, nine assists in 30 minutes. So here's what he's averaging so far. Uh, 18 points, a little over eight rebounds, an assist and a half, uh, half a steal, and you know, just like a smidge of a block in 24 minutes per game. <laughs> he's shooting 63% from the field. He's taking one and a half threes per game and making one. Uh, Haley, what do, we, what do we make of Zion so far? I can't get over how strong he is. It's just like he can will his way into anything, which is something we say a lot about centers, but he just does so many non-center things. But it's just like he can get whatever he wants on the floor. You know what I mean? If you if he's like, oh, actually, I would like the second chance point. Go ahead. Like, he's going to get it. It's, <laughs> there's really like no, he can do whatever he wants. It's just super strong. It's been very impressive. He's so fun far. to watch. I can't believe that somebody his size can do the things that he can do. Our uh, guy, Roger Sherman, mentioned this on Twitter where he said, it doesn't matter how big he is if when he goes to block a shot, his head is at the uh, flag logo on, on the backboard because <laughs> I mean, he can get that high. I, I would take umbrage with it doesn't matter how big he is. I think it probably could eventually. But it's just amazing, Dan, to watch somebody uh, like of his physical prowess play the way he does. Yeah. And especially coming off of the meniscus injury and the surgery, like that he's, you could still, I mean, he doesn't seem like he's necessarily hitting top speed yet or, or as comfortable with his, with the body as he's getting back onto the court. But even with that, to be that productive that quickly is kind of wild. I haven't gotten to watch every second he's played so far in these first four games, but it seems like he's further ahead offensively. As Haley said, he feels it seems like he's already figured out I can get where I want to go and I can do kind of what I want to do with the ball um, than he is on defense, which is to be expected. You know, he's first four games of an NBA career for a guy who's sort of switching between power forward and center. I think the thing that I was most interested in heading into him coming back was how would the lineups work with him playing either at power forward next to Ingram and favors or at center with nobody. And so far, the early returns are awesome. Their new starting lineup with him next to favors and Ingram with Lonzo and Drew Holiday in the backcourt plus 18 and 44 minutes, really strong in the first four games and lineups where Zion is basically center. No other bigs on the on the court, no favors, no Jackson Hayes, no uh, Julio Okafor, no Nicolo Melli. Those are plus 23 in, play in 26 minutes. Really small samples here, but the early returns are really encouraging when they play with a traditional lineup or with Zion as, as the small ball five, where they play super fast. They're scoring like gangbusters. They're getting kind of what Alvin Gentry's teams like to look like. Um, I think you have to be really, really encouraged by what you've seen in those minutes. And then the defense is going to come as he gets more acclimated to things. But already very, very exciting to see what he can do. Already very, very exciting to see him and certainly to see uh, his fellow rookie, Ja Morant. Dan, you mentioned this on Twitter. Uh, ja entered Tuesday fourth in the NBA in fourth quarter scoring. He did it again. Uh, he had 10 of his 14 in the fourth quarter on Monday night or Tuesday night, rather, excuse me. Uh, and the Grizz beat the Nuggets. They're holding on to that last playoff spot in the West. Zion's coming on. There was a lot of hype about Zion. I want to throw this up to the both of you. Um, who do you like more between Zion and Zion? I'm not asking you to like, like the, 
you don't have to, you know, disown the other one. But it, like as and I'm they not, have very. I'm not engaging. In you're that. not. You're not doing this. So you're gonna make me pick between. Well, ice cream, so eventually, ice cream and cake. Eventually, somebody's gonna. And red wine. Well, I, I do Don's like. and Dan. I'm not picking. I like all of those things. You make a. You make a good case for for uh, the fence sitting on this one. Actually, oh, I, normally we don't do that on this show, but <laughs> I kind of. I, I kind of agree with hey, you. That it's not for me to say. I don't want to pick between my two favorite kids, uh, but Dan, you have two kids. Which one's your favorite? <laughs> uh, the, uh, well, right, yeah, right now it's Olivia. Siobhan's been giving me a little bit of a hard time at home. Um, but, uh, it's, and, and they don't know how to listen to this yet, so that's fine. I can say that to you guys. Um, but I, I will say the, the fact that Ja now, because now it's not the first 10 games and nobody knows what they're talking, what, what's happening yet. There's like 50 games of tape and people know that he's going to have the ball in his hands and he's still doing it. And they're still scoring like gangbusters with him uh, at the controls. And, it's like, last night there were three nuggets converging on him on the baseline and he still slithered his way in for a reverse layup. Like he's finding ways to beat defenses that now know they have to stop him. And it's really, really exciting. I mean, I'm not saying the Grizzlies are going to all of a sudden, you know, make a run to the conference finals or anything like that. But what we're seeing with him is real and that it's continuing is really, really amazing. Yeah, it's, I mean, like we say a lot, like so-and-so can get anywhere they want on the floor. He can truly get anywhere he wants on the floor. And when you say that you're excited about, you know, Zion and what that team could do in the early returns, I'm similarly excited about the Grizz. Uh, we're a Grizz podcast here. It's it's <laughs> a wonderful time for Memphis. Uh, we wish Ja and Zion nothing but the best. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to do a little housekeeping and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Kobe. FanDuel is the official sports book partner of The Ringer. The Ringer NBA show is brought to you by FanDuel. You've probably heard me talk the past few weeks about FanDuel Sportsbook. And if you have, you're probably expecting me to have plenty to say this week about betting big game props on FanDuel's best-in-class sports betting app. And if you're not in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, or West Virginia where FanDuel Sportsbook is available, you're probably feeling like FanDuel is really rubbing it in when they tell you about how you can place your first bet risk-free and get up to $500 back in site credit if you don't win. And look, FanDuel feels terrible about that. In fact, if FanDuel had their way, you'd be able to place bets on FanDuel Sportsbook Sportsbook all over this great nation. But until that happy day comes, FanDuel can't stand the idea of fans like you missing out on big game props action. That's why FanDuel is making their free big game props contest available. Even if FanDuel Sportsbook isn't online in your state yet, here's how it works. The contest is called Big Game Props Pick'em, and it's really easy to play. Everyone gets the same 15 props like the coin toss, Gatorade, color, total rushing yards, and more. And all you need to do is pick the right answers. If you can pick 12 out of 15 props right, you'll win $100. Go 15 for 15, you'll win $15,000. Best of all, FanDuel's Big Game Props Pick'em Contest is 100% free to play. If you're ready to get into the action, head to FanDuel.com slash props to make your picks. And if you're new to FanDuel, be sure to use our promo code RINGERNBA so they know that we sent you. That's FanDuel.com slash props, promo code RINGER, R-I-N-G-E-R-N-B-A. And now the legal stuff. Must be 21 or over and located in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Indiana to claim your risk-free bet on FanDuel Sportsbook. Visit sportsbook.fanduel.com for applicable terms and conditions. Do you have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. And now back to Heat Check. 
All right, so the Lakers will have their first media availability today uh, since the tragic accident on Sunday. Tuesday's game against the Clippers was canceled. They'll play their next home game on Friday. Uh, There were reports that they brought in grief counselors for the organization, not just for the players, but for the staffers because Kobe, you know, played 20 years for the same organization. So it's not just the players and the coaches in the front office that he interacted with. I've seen him interact with all sorts of uh, security guards and um, ball boys and equipment managers. And Serena Winters, who is now the sideline reporter for the Sixers, got her start here in LA. When I first moved out to LA, uh, I had met Serena and she had done a bunch of interviews with Kobe and he helped sort of like elevate her career. Uh, And then, you know, we've seen the scene at Staples Center, the practice facility where there were people in mourning and then there were like these makeshift memorials. Paolo's done a really good job reporting on that. Uh, At LA Live, they had this um, moment where they had the giant crowd wad up balls of paper and all in unison, they shot it at a trash can and said Kobe, which I thought was fun and nice and like maybe cathartic. Uh, But it was shocking, right? I mean, this was, I think, like one of the seminal um, where were you one moments of my lifetime, certainly. So I guess we'll start with that. I mean, how you guys found out and and like how you're doing. Haley, uh, <laughs> where were you when, when like. Wh- I was, at, I was sitting at my dining room table and I got a text from my friend who, I mean, this is like, feels even kind of awful to just say like this, who just texted me and said, wait, Kobe died like with a question mark. And I, I just like, everything felt like I actually like dropped my bowl on my table. I looked at our Slack. I saw it. It was all within like five seconds, but it, I genuinely, people keep saying it does it didn't feel real. I was convinced that it was not yeah. true. I was convinced that this, because I, I think like Initially, it was TMZ or it wasn't TMZ. It was TMZ but I just remember, Or it was like there were like a local station. I just remember thinking like, no, it's wrong. And yeah. I think that was everyone's sentiment. But I truly, and then for the, the next couple hours, I I had all these errands to do. I had work to do. And I just sat on in the same spot at my table. Yeah, it was it was flooring. Yeah, uh, I was so my, my wife was out at a meeting on Sunday afternoon. So I had the two girls uh, and Olivia was taking a nap and I was kind of hanging out with Siobhan. And uh, I like check, checked my phone to see. I don't I don't know. I checked my phone and saw it happening. And she was like, I, I, I don't really remember what I did, but she was right away like, Daddy, what's wrong? And I, I guess I was like standing there with my hand over my, I guess I can't do that because I have a microphone in front of me. Uh, I had my hand in front of my mouth and, um, you know, asked what happened. And I was trying to sort of figure, figure out how to explain, cause she doesn't know who Kobe Bryant is, but I said, like, you know, like a, a very important ba- uh, man in the thing that I do for my job, it looks like he just died. And, uh, she was kind of like, okay, well, that's very sad. And now can you put your phone down? Yeah. <laughs> which was which was really use it was useful. Um, and the answer was kind of, I'm sorry to say, not really. Like I I I did and we played and we hung out, but you kind of kept trying to check in on it and find out what's going on. I will say, uh, as a sad truth of this doing this as our jobs, my first my second thought beyond like holy shit was I can't believe what I'm oh like, oh no, I'm gonna have to write about this. Yeah. Or I can't. Or I can't write about this because I have I have the girls this afternoon, so I can't do anything. So the feeling of sort of impotence and not knowing what you would even say, but also knowing that you can't and knowing that it's going to be somebody else's responsibility and feeling so badly about that. 
and trying to figure out even as you're doing it's like you have um like a program running in the back of your head underneath all the regular processes that you're doing and trying to figure out what you're going to say and how you're going to say it and who's going to be saying it now and all those sorts of things it just felt yeah it felt like your my brain was overloaded and it, it was less of an emotional reaction than i felt like i just kind of shut down what to say and how to say it i think is like i mean just for what we do for a living, that's our job, right? And I said that to Paolo. Like I've, and I'm going to get into this in just a second, but I've been sort of around Kobe for a while now. And I don't know, I've I've covered him a zillion times and written a zillion things about him. And I don't know where I would have begun. Uh, so I thought Paolo did a really good job. I was on a plane. Uh, I was in Philadelphia for the Sixers-Lakers game where LeBron passed Kobe to move into third place all time. I was on a plane with Dan Wykey from the LA Times and also, coincidentally, Kobe's longtime security guy. And Dan Wykey came up to me in the middle of the flight. I was watching a movie and he goes, have you been on the internet? And I said, no, I'm, you know, I'm just sitting here. And he goes, Kobe died in a, hel- a helicopter crash. And I said, that can't possibly be true. That can't possibly be right. That has to be wrong. I mean, how how could that be? We're the same age. You know, he's Kobe. You know, we're on a flight right now. It can't be. So I started watching the live feed. And then there were like these initial reports that like a little bit of information was trickling in and out. ABC initially reported that all of his girls were on the flight with him, which like, like was devastating. And then uh, thankfully they would, they debunked it quickly. But I think like this thing really hit a lot of people hard for a lot of reasons. And we've seen all these tributes. Philly just had a game last night, uh, where Embiid wore number 24, which is Bobby Jones's number. He had to call Bobby Jones and ask for permission. Of course, Bobby said it was okay. They had nine lights on the court for the nine, uh, victims. They rang the bell nine times, uh, they played the intro from his last game there. They didn't have any intros at all for the players. And Matt Cord, who's the uh, arena announcer and who's actually a, a good friend of mine uh, and my neighbor back in Philly, announced just one name. And he did a 6-6 guard from Lower Marion. And that one got me. And I, I wanted to tell you guys why. Like, So Kobe went to Lower Marion High School. Uh, I went to a high school called Pencrest that is not far from him. Uh, they're in the same league. Uh, so our high school played his high school. I'm a year older than him. So the first time I saw him in person, he was a junior and I was a senior and there was all this hype around him about him being, um, the best prospect in the country. And man, did he show it that night? Like I I remember he dunked on my buddy wax, which I've never let wax forget. Uh, and he was just (laughs) like, he was incredible. And then, uh, his senior year, the year that he won the state championship, I was a senior at LaSalle. Uh, or a freshman at LaSalle and his, uh, his dad went to LaSalle and his sister was a freshman at LaSalle the same year that I was. She was on the volleyball team. She was incredible. And there were these rumors that like, oh, maybe Kobe will go there. Of course he was never going to go there. He was never going to go to Duke. He was going to jump right to the NBA, but I got to cover him a little bit for our local paper, the Delco daily times. And from like that moment on, like up through this, this past weekend, like I've just sort of like jumped in and out with my career and like gotten to see him. I was at the all-star game that LeBron was talking about getting his shoes. Uh, I was at uh, the game in Philly where he announced his retirement tour. Like this is going to be my last season. He announced that in Philly. It was like a 35 minute press conference where his old high school point guard who was on my TV show then like got to hang out with him and Kobe immediately recognized him, picked him out of the crowd, made him feel special. He did this big package on it. Like it's just hard for me to process because I felt like I've been around him like my whole life. And even though I don't know him, you know, in the same way that like a lot of people intimately know him and I get why 
he means so much to so many people who never met him either. My immediate reaction was nothing. Like, I mean, it was sorrow, but it was then I could not process anything. I was I was just shocked, but in a way where I honestly can never remember being this shocked over a death. I mean, people were comparing it to Princess Diana, and that must have been it. Because I could not fathom that it happened enough that I could not fathom anything. And I really couldn't think of anything. And when I finally could start to think about this being real, maybe like an hour and a half later, I just considered that the reason I could not fathom it is because, A, Kobe is extremely young. He looks the exact same now as he did when he retired, as he did for many years of his career. Those two things don't add up. But also because of who Kobe was as a player, the, you know, the Mamba mentality, but just the fact that he would never fucking let anyone do anything to him. You know, he was going to be on the court longer than you. He was going to get that. You know, he was going to get that foul. He was going to back you down. That that jumper was going to go in. He was going to get that loose ball. The way that he played, the way that he was, even like, you know, he wouldn't flinch if you pumped the ball at him out of bounds. He's not going to flinch. The way that he was made him seem, and his legend was <laughs> that he was immortal. Like nothing could ever get to him. Yeah, it's just super strange, Dan, because like, I don't know, again, I, I just like, he's been a presence in my professional life and even really like my personal life just as a, a, before he was like the Lakers, Kobe Bryant or an international sensation or even like, you know, uh, a state champion at Lower Marion. He was that kid from my neighborhood who's yeah. just really fucking good at basketball. I mean, I remember like his senior year when the hype was really growing before he like took Brandy the prom and all that stuff. He was, he would practice every now and again with the Sixers. Like he'd go to a practice and as a high school kid. And we would right. like talk about this because we all loved basketball. We all love sports. And we'd be like, how is that possible? And you'd hear this stuff from the reporters who were there and they'd be like, yeah, man, he was like, you know, he, maybe he's not quite ready, but you could see that he could play with them. Yeah. The, the, the reality of the larger than life or the, the audaciousness of his story at every step of the way. Um, I think the first time I remember hearing about him was that he was taking Brandy to prom. And I was like, well, that is impressive. Like that is <laughs> the, for a 17, 18 year old guy to be like, so this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm introducing myself to the world. How are you? Um, to believe that you could be the, a guard to go from high school to the pro. Like we've seen players make the prep to pros jump. We'd never seen somebody do that at a backcourt position to believe that you deserve to be taking those shots in that playoff game against Utah in your rookie year. Airball three, so take a fourth. Um, the belief and the 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 sort of like brazenness with which he approached everything uh, to Haley's point kind of makes it hard to imagine him not exerting control over a situation or being in a position where he could not exert control over a situation. And that not to as the father of daughters, this, um, because no, that is not, this is, a, no, the this is the time for time it. For it. <laughs> <laughs> this is that, I don't know how useful a framework that is for all of it, but, um, like the idea of being in that situation and not being able to control where you were going and knowing that you were there with your daughter and trying to, a lot of people who have kids have written and spoken about trying to figure out what you would do in that situation. I will be perfectly honest with you. My brain shut down before I got there. I don't think I could have gotten to the point where I was like, what would I be doing in that moment? 
especially because what I, I, Siobhan was right in front of me. I had like I had to I had to do something else with her. And there's the part of you that's just like, oh, I have to sort of express my gratitude that I get to continue doing this by actually doing it and being present for them now. And then there's part of you that's just like, I don't know. I, I can't I, I don't know what better way to participate in this insanity than to do, I guess, what seems like he was doing, which is being there for your kid. Um, and and the, other, so the, the other part of this, and I, I want to say, like, I get a little uh, shaky about public performing of great parenting and of like making your the, the degree to which you're a real I don't know, like engaged in heroic and active parent public stuff. I feel a little bit weird about that, but that there that the result or one of the results of this has been a lot of people talking about the value of being an engaged parent to your daughters is a really in a very gray cloud, a bit of a silver lining. Yeah. And that's been I don't know that I'm I I don't think I'm I have something that's good enough for the gram for that. But um the idea that that is a legacy point for him. It was something that I would never have seen 10 years ago. And that it's something that we're all sort of ra- uh, wrapping our arms around a little tighter now um, is is something to take away from this, I suppose. No, I, I look, part, part of what I- <laughs> You just made me cry. <laughs> I'm really sorry, no, Haley. I didn't- okay. that was so sweet. But it's, it's true, right? I mean, like this thing, I think the reason why it has impacted so many people- it's not just Kobe. Had it just been Kobe, it would have been something that really hit people. But yeah. the fact that Gigi and and children were on that flight, and that right. families were ripped apart, and that you know uh, the widower of one of the the women that died is now left with his their children and to raise them without his wife, like that is devastating to me. Like when I was saying when ABC initially reported that all of his girls were on the flight. I went over to Dan Wykey and I, w- I said that there was this report and like the two of us were crying. Like, wh- how do you process something like that? It makes all of us take stock of our lives. And it's like, it has been extremely difficult to come to terms with Kobe's death. And I still don't quite think I can. And something that we've been saying a lot is that the only goodbye we've ever planned for him was his retirement. And even that, was really tough and that's wild because he hung on too long um to playing or at least we thought he did now I'm just like I wish he would have kept playing but something that is actually inconceivable for me was the loss of Gigi and the other two girls um on that flight Peyton and Alyssa and I I don't want to be as like a you know the sister of sisters like you know but but I just think about all the things that they are missing out on, the first kisses, the sleepovers, the tiny teenage rebellions that you're going to have to deal with in high school dances, being embarrassed by your parents. But I did want to say that Gigi wanted to go to UConn and play basketball for them. And Alyssa dreamed of attending the University of Oregon and um, that Peyton's uncle talked to the New York Times and said that she was the sweetest soul, the kindest, most gentlest person you'd ever meet. Um, so for me, those the things that they were robbed of was especially inconceivable. Yeah, and we saw these videos. I mean, the videos of 
you know, Kobe sitting with Gigi and like talking the game with her and, you know, in at their house and he's showing her moves and all this stuff. And like, um, you know, obviously the Jimmy Kimmel clip where he told the great story about how she's got this, that he doesn't need a boy, that uh, he's got her is so fantastic. And also like so tragic because like Vanessa and the girls are robbed of seeing Gigi go from a teenager into a woman and like living her life and um, everybody on that flight, everything that was changed. It's, it's, it's very difficult to process. And I think that it's um, something that we're all going to be wrestling with and trying to wrap our heads around because it is, this is, it's a messy situation with Kobe. And I almost used the word complicated and I didn't want to do that because I I've seen that you, that word thrown around a lot with Kobe because, and we have to talk about this, right? Because like, there's this, there's this impulse when something unexpected and tragic happens when a celebrity of Kobe's stature is taken away to uh, canonize that person, that there's a halo effect, that everything they've done in their life is fantastic. And I've seen, um, you know, with a Washington Post reporter who had tweeted about a story about what happened in Colorado with Kobe, that Lakers fans or fans, some people, I don't want to characterize them as Lakers fans, Kobe fans, uh, went after her and said, it wasn't the right time. You shouldn't be talking about this. And I think like, a more honest accounting of his life is to say all of the things that were true about him and all of the things that we just said about him were true, that he he was an unbelievable basketball player. That I, This is hard for me too to reconcile, hard for me to square because I've been, again, I've been rooting for him since we were both kids. I, I watched him go from the kid who plays at the local high school to this international sensation and surefire hall of famer who had uh, become by all accounts, what looks like a very engaged father. Right. And then there is this Colorado thing that like people have sort of hidden behind the word complicated to yada, yada, what happened and just move along. And I think a more honest accounting is to say all of the things that were true, that yes, he was an amazing basketball player and a hall of famer. Uh, yes, he transcended the game. Yes, he was an engaged father and loved his family. And yes, this thing in Colorado happened and he was credibly accused of sexual assault. And no, there were no formal charges, but there was a civil suit where he, he part of that component was to issue an apology that he said he didn't see it this way, but he was he had realized afterwards that his uh, accuser did not think that interaction was consensual. And these, it's very difficult for us to not just go to, in sports, like the idea of a nuanced conversation is hard a lot of the times. Like we don't do it. We don't really do nuanced and difficult. We do polls. Well, and sports manufactures heroes. We you do heroes and villains. Heroes like this. I think Rob Mahoney did a really good job. He did a, He wrote a really good Kobe piece that everyone should read. But in it, he said... Brian is everything that he has ever done with all of the painful complexity that entails. Mm -hmm. What was admirable about him can still be admirable about him. What was troubling can still be troubling. And for me, I agree. Complicated feels so veiled. It's almost like one of those headline things that we default to when we can't really say what needs to be said. The thing about talking about this is that we can't just do it, like you said, because it feels like we have to. Like it feels like this is something we need to mention because, you know, we feel like people are going to be mad at us if we don't, or, uh, you know, honestly, I just think it's, it's, we're not doing right by people if we don't, but we're also not doing right by remembering him and his life. And the thing that we need to say about, we need to give the entire story of Kobe. And I've heard a lot of people say now's not the time, 
there's never going to be a right time to talk about or to reckon with your hero doing something awful. What happened that was that, you know, what what always happens, the NBA moved on, fans moved on, the narrative moved on. It's still what he was accused of, he was still accused of. And it's clear that people are still resentful that his image was ever smeared. But you can't dismiss that part of the history when we're remembering his life. However, this does not take away, when I say all this, this does not take away the grief. This does not take away yeah. the right to grieve. This right. does not take away the sorrow, the legitimate pain that you feel that he's gone. I say all this um, and I still feel such grief. I'm still so upset. I'm still so shaken. And I hope that people who are upset that this is being mentioned so closely after his death, again, those are the people who I don't think would ever have a right time, find a right time to mention it, can accept that both for me are true. Both for many people are yeah. true, especially women. It's a it's a messy and complicated, um, complicated the conversation, not the human thing to go through, right? I mean, like we're all processing so many emotions. Uh, some of them are in conflict with each other. And I don't know that there's that there's any one right way to discuss what happened with Kobe than just to discuss it all. Especially considering a big part of the on-court story or the the iconic aspect of it is the shift from like number eight to number 24 and the adoption of the Black Mamba uh, moniker and the men Mamba mentality. And now I'm going to be the jaw jutting, sneering villain. And I'm going to do, you know, like the, the elevation of that idea, like I'm going to outwork and out whatever. So much of that was like a construction that came about after the fact of like, I need to change the story after I have been credibly accused of sexual assault. And I, I understand that this person did not consent to this encounter. You don't get the second half of what happened there without the pivot point of this all going on. And like, if you're if part of it, his legendary mental toughness and the way he was able to compartmentalize and perform like that comes about because he's flying back and forth from from the trial in Colorado to games and playing and scoring a lot of points like a lot of this stuff is you can't just say I'm taking part of it and not all of it because it's it's ensnared. It's all entangled. It's wrapped. It's like, you know, a cord wrapped around itself and uh, or a snake eating its own tail. If you want to use the metaphor that Kobe preferred, like. You can't just take part of it without all of it. And it's painful and it's it, it sucks that those things are true, but it's but it sucks that those things happened and it, or that, that those events were part of the of the story. But eliding them does nobody any favors that doesn't do justice to the the, you know, the legend and the fact and printing all of it together. You can't you can't pretend. And so I part and honestly, it's part of why I, my my oh, shit, I'm going to have to write about this. Part of it was a lot. Like I, ha if I write about this, I have to write about that because it's real. It was part of his story and part of his life, and that's going to engender a lot of like fury and and blowback. And there's and or people will say you're burying it if you don't do it enough. And it's a really, it's a difficult thing to present, um, but not presenting it is not a choice. And, and I, I don't know that I think that a lot of people have taken a lot of care to be very responsible in the way they've done that. Um, which is heartening, especially because the other option to just not present it is on the table and and maybe too often for people. Yeah, it's a it's a weird and and tough thing to process. And I think that um, you know, I 
I don't know what it says about, I won't say us, I'll say me. I don't know what it says about me that um, I have these conflicting emotions because again, I, I have watched and rooted for him through all of it. And then also he did this thing that I have a hard time reconciling my otherwise positive feelings, right? And I, I don't know what that says about me. Uh, I do I do know that what Dan said earlier, if there's a silver lining in all of this, I think that it's it's good that Dan, I, I saw you say, you know, we should put down our phones today and spend time with our family and like like really take stock of all this. Which I was not able to do, by the way. <laughs> but it, it's, I think the point, the, the point, the underlying point there, if there's a silver lining in all of this, um, you know, Kobe had talked a lot about and you know we've all seen the video surfaces about tomorrow's not promised for any of uh, any of us, and um, t- taking stock of our mor- mortality and our relationships that sometimes we take for granted in our lives, the ones that are important to us, how we lead our lives. You know, what are you doing with your life today? Like, if there's any silver lining, and it's 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 slim, it's that right. Like, it's the T- TNT had a pregame show that I couldn't watch because I knew how I'd react to it, but I read about it this morning, a pregame show that was exactly about this, about like what all of this means and how we've all sort of re we're forced in these moments to take stock of our lives. So normally we end with a good call, bad call game. We're not going to do that today. I'm just going to say, uh, for you guys being in your company is very much a good call for me. Uh, Steve, you oh, came in I and mean. you you joined the show, uh, filled huge shoes with Isaac and hit the ground running. And it's been a delight to have you, Haley. I have watched you go from an editorial assistant to a basketball writing superstar who is just like so far ahead of the curve for your age. You're so incredibly talented, and I'm so excited to watch what your career is going to be. And Dan, like we spent all last year on the road together <laughs> and you became an actual real life true friend to me and i like you're talk about family man like you've got three wonderful girls one of whom is your beautiful wife and the two <laughs> little ones who are going to grow and you've got luger the the wonderful pup and uh <laughs> honestly i'm like i really love having you guys in my life and to the listeners we say this all the time thank you for listening and i kind of like gloss over it but if you've come this far and you're still listening to Heat Check right now, you're real. Like you're a real listener for this show and we cannot thank you enough. I've been doing this long enough to know how how lucky I am. Like this is the only thing I've ever wanted to do in my life. And that anybody would take time to read something that I wrote or listen to something I say, I cannot thank you guys enough. So none of that is lost on us. Um, that's it. Uh, thank you for listening Key Check will be back next week with its normal usual nonsense see you guys (laughs) 